Turn your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30 are our verses for uh, study and preaching today. And so I just want to begin by saying, in this time post-Dorian, when so many of us are in real need of comfort and hope, that the greatest comfort and the greatest hope that any of us could have as believers in Jesus Christ comes from him as found in his word. His word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so it's especially important that we spend time, personal time, in God's word each morning. I'm biased to say morning. Gets our day off to the right start and gets our focus at where it ought to be. And um, so we've got to be in God's Word, family. We've got to be reading the Word, meditating on the Word, memorizing the Word, obeying the Word, living the Word, because that's the real place of hope and comfort as the minister, as the Spirit of God rather ministers the Word of God. So I want to share with you, as I said, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Please hear the Word of God this morning. Jesus' words, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. I see four invitations in these verses from Jesus Christ to each one of us this morning. Four verbs. Number one, come in verse 28. Number two, take in verse 29. Number three, learn in verse 29. And fourth, find, verse 29. Come, take, learn, find. Say that with me. Come, take, learn, find. Again, come, take, learn, find. Let's take these one by one. Let's start with come, the invitation to come. Verse 28, Jesus is speaking, like I said. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation from the Lord this morning to you is to come near to him. The implication is that our sometimes our default setting in our thinking, in our choose, choosing, sometimes our default setting is not to be near Jesus, to be distant from Jesus and to feel that Jesus is distant from us. But Jesus says to combat that, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Of course, sin of any sort will keep us distant from Jesus Christ relationally. Uh, sin like pride and fear or anxiety or self-effort without any prayer or selfishness or any number of things will contribute to us easily not being near to the Lord in our perception of things, in our sense of things. And so we have to be mindful that he's saying this morning, Bill, Johnny, Sally, Bernadette, come to me. Come close to me. After Dorian and all that's ravished in our country, come close to me. I'm Jesus. I'm your Savior. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Of course, the first way we are to come to Jesus Christ is probably a way that most all of you have come to him already in your lives. We're to come to him for salvation. We're to come near to him in faith and receive forgiveness of sins in heaven one day. And most all of us perhaps here today, uh, there may be some that haven't, but most of us today, I would venture to say, have done. So we've come near to Christ in, in the act of being saved by him, trusting him to be our savior. But after we're saved, this invitation is still being given 
to the blood-bought child of God, the redeemed son or daughter of God, Jesus this morning is saying to those of us who are converted, born again, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So we come to Christ in the first place for salvation, but we come to Christ in the second place for spiritual growth and for spiritual rest. Now, we should not miss the fact that Jesus' invitation to us to come to him is not the same as do this or do that. When Jesus Christ invites us to come near to him, he's, it's not the same as him saying, you know, now you do this for me and you do that for me. It's different. Come in this invitation is not for more work to do, but instead come invitation is more of a savior to know. The come invitation is more of a savior to trust. Jesus says to the child of God, come to me, know me better, trust me more fully, love me, know me. And so this wonderful invitation to come is an invitation to a wonderful person. It's not an invitation to another work program. That's important to see. Jesus is saying, come to me, not to a program, not to a certain ministry, not to a, a task. Jesus says, come to me personally. Let's be personal about this. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And so the first invitation from Jesus Christ to us is an invitation to a wonderful person, not to another work program. And the Lord Jesus is inviting us to come to him this morning. How do we do that? Well, there are some ways that are jumping out in my head by placing faith in him each day, by praying to him each day, by praising him each day, by obeying him, by serving him, by enjoying him. What would it be like if someone asked you at work, how are you today? And you said, I'm great. I'm just enjoying my Savior. Here at my workstation, I'm just enjoying Jesus. Repairing that small motor in these lawnmowers, I'm just enjoying Jesus. Running this business, how are you today? I'm good. I'm just enjoying Jesus. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. It's an invitation to come. It's an invitation that's encouraging, comforting, peaceful. It was D.L. Moody who said, we ought to see the face of God every morning before we see the face of man. These are difficult days in our commonwealth, and we all ought to see the face of Jesus in the morning before we see the face of any person. Jesus says, come to me. There are two more things I'd like us to see before we move off of this first invitation to come. They uh, are these. Number one, Jesus is the solution both for our cause and for our effect. What do I mean by that? Jesus Christ is the solution for you and I being heavy laden. That's the cause of our weariness, that we're heavy laden. And the effect of being heavy laden is being weary. Come unto me, all you are weary. That's the effect. Jesus is the solution for that. You are heavy laden. That's the cause for being weary. I know that some of you are working extra hard on 
hurricane relief efforts, you're housing guests in your home, cooking extra meals, watching extra children. You're doing more than you ever thought you might be able to do. Jesus Christ is your solution for the cause, that is you feeling heavy laden. And Jesus Christ is a solution for you being weary. Let's face it, we're weary. <laughs> Let's not pretend we're not weary. Many of us are very weary. Jesus Christ is solution to our weariness. He is solution to our being heavy laden. Come to him. He invites you to come to him. He's a solution to both our cause and our effect. But second, everyone is invited. Will you notice that? Verse 28, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The invitation by Jesus is for all persons to come to him. Some are going to need to come to him for salvation. They've never been saved. Others of us have been saved. He's asking, all of you who are saved, come to me. Let's make this personal. Come to me. I'm here for you. Come to me. The second invitation is also precious. It's take. I see that in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon you. So here's another choice for us to make. Jesus first presents the choice to us in these verses to come to him. And now in this little further in the same passage, he's giving us a second choice to make. He's inviting us to make the choice to take his yoke. It may seem odd to us that Jesus Christ invites us to take a yoke. Those of us who know what a yoke is, perhaps we know what a yoke is, or perhaps you don't know what a yoke is. A yoke is a huge, heavy piece of wood that's carved in such a way that it could be laid on the top of two oxen or laid on the top of two horses to tether them together so they can work more effectively as, as two pulling instead of one. It's, it's heavy, it's uncomfortable, a yoke is, but Jesus uses that metaphor to say that he wants us to choose to be yoked to him. He won't make us to be yoked to him, but as a gentleman, he says, take my yoke. Choose my yoke. Be yoked to me. And then he talks about his yoke as being different than we might think it is. It's not uncomfortable. It's not heavy. It's not too much. And so, after this hurricane, the Lord Jesus Christ is inviting each of us to come to him. Why? In order to be yoked to him. He has a purpose for asking us to come near to him, and the purpose he has for asking us to choose to come near to him is so that we can choose to take his yoke with him. We come, and we come to be yoked. Now, there would be some mistakes to make here when you think of the concept of a yoke and oxen and horses. There would be some mistakes to make. First of all, being yoked to the Lord Jesus Christ is not bondage. It's freedom. Being yoked to Jesus Christ is not bondage, it is freedom. Furthermore, being yoked to the Lord is not confinement, it is protection. Being yoked to Jesus is not giving up, it's being humble. Being yoked to the Lord is not increasing the work, it's dividing the work. Being yoked to Jesus is getting the best help possible after this hurricane, the hope from heaven. When we come near to Jesus as believers, in order to be yoked to Jesus, that is the best help that we can get. Whatever our life looks like after Dorian, 
Now, may I state the obvious? It's one thing to come to Jesus, but it's a deeper thing to take on his yoke. They're two separate decisions. To come to Jesus after conversion is a great thing to do. To come to his word, to know him better, to love and trust and serve him better based on his word. But the second choice that he wants all of us to make, to be yoked to him, is a deeper spiritual decision. When we take on Jesus' yoke, we fully yield to him. We put him first. We want what he wants. We hate what he hates. We work on his work. We live for him. That's what it means to be yoked to Jesus. But there's more. When we take on Jesus' yoke, Jesus becomes the reason for what we say and what we don't say. Jesus becomes the reason for what we think and what we refuse to think. Jesus Christ becomes the reason for what we do and what we will not do. Jesus is not just the reason for the season at Christmas. Jesus is the reason for everything to the believer who is yoked to him. One more thing. When we take on Jesus' yoke, we must throw off all other yokes. You say, I'm not yoked, really? (laughs) Maybe you are. When we take on Jesus' yoke, we have to ditch the other yokes we might be yoked to. Like what? Like people-pleasing. Some people are yoked to pleasing other people. They won't do anything to ruffle anyone's feathers, and they just are doing the bidding of every person they think they have to please in their life. That's a yoke. It's not Jesus' yoke. Or some yokes are uh, persons that are so utterly committed from the minute they open their eyes in the morning until the minute they close them at night about pleasing not others, pleasing themselves. They evaluate everything they do in a day based on whether it's good for them or not. Will they like it or not? Do they feel like doing it or not? That's a yoke. And if that's your yoke, you need to ditch that yoke and get yoked to Jesus. There are plenty of yokes that we can have our heads stuck in that we don't even realize it. The yoke of just looking at the whole world system without Jesus Christ as if that's reality, as if CNN and Fox News and ZNS is reality. I'm sorry, there's a much deeper reality Much deeper reality behind what CNN, ZNS, and Fox News, etc. report. There's a spiritual reality. So if you are not yoked to Jesus, and you're yoked to anyone or anything other than Jesus, this morning take that yoke off your shoulders and throw it down. And come to Jesus. He invites you, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you. That's a choice. (laughs) The fact is that nobody can wear two yokes at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. You've got to be one yoke at a time person. Who will you be yoked to? Another way to say this, um, when I was younger and struggling and in counseling as a Christian, I, I was describing my life and how I sensed my life was, and I, I, I told the counselor that I was just so uh, 
So many demands on me, so many demands I put on myself, uh, no rest, no balance, all these things. And he took me to this verse, and he said, you believe verse 30. And so I read it, like, how do you disbelieve Jesus' words, right? He says, for my yoke is easy and my load is light. He said, you believe that? Of course, well, I believe that. He says, why do you think you feel the way you do then? Overwhelmed, discouraged, hopeless, frustrated, angry. Why do you think you feel those ways if you believe verse 30? I didn't know. He says, because you're not yoked to Jesus, you're yoked to yourself. You're yoked to other people, what they think of you. Jesus said his yoke is easy, and we'll describe what that means in a moment, and his load is light. Who are you yoked to? I would venture to say everyone in the sound of my voice is yoked to something or to someone. Who is it? What is it? The choice we make about taking up Jesus' yoke will be a choice for peace, inner peace and outer peace. 28 and 29 again. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. The uh, easiness or the ease that Jesus describes his yoke with means that it is well-fitting. Jesus Christ's yoke, whatever it is for you, his yoke for you is well-fitted to you. It's not a bunch of religious rules. It doesn't chafe or rub the person who's walking in the Holy Spirit. And it isn't false guilt. This is not Jesus' yoke. But whatever Jesus' yoke is for each of you, it's tailor-made for your talents, for your spiritual gifts, and for your spheres of influence. Whatever Jesus Christ has as his yoke for you, it fits you. In fact, you were remade in Christ. You were remade in Christ to do the good works that your particular yoke to Jesus mandates. You know Ephesians 2.10, the beautiful verse after 8 and 9. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before you were conceived, before you were saved, God had decreed good works that you would do as a believer in his Son. Unique things. The Greek word workmanship is Greek poema, from which we get our English word poem. God is saying all the redeemed persons here today are poems. No two poems are the same. Why are we different? We have different good works that Jesus Christ wants to do through us as we're yoked to him, that are unique to us. I'll preach to people you'll never preach to. You'll influence people I will never influence on your jobs and your neighborhoods and your families. We all have good works unique to us, yokes to Jesus Christ that are fitting. When we're yoked to him, we're fitted to do those good works which he has prepared beforehand that we should do. But there's more. Not only does the Lord Jesus tell us in verse 30 that his yoke for each of us is easy, he also tells us that his load for each of us is light. His load for each of us is light. That means it's a pleasure. That means it's not a pressure. It means it's a labor of love and not a drag of drudgery. This morning, if you've come to worship and Frankly, you know, the Lord knows and you know that you feel pressured in the extra things that you're doing after Dorian. You're feeling it's a drag, it's a drudgery. It's, you're not exactly very thrilled about it. 
be yoked to Jesus. Allow his spirit to fill and control you. And you'll begin to see that these things that are extra, perhaps, that you're doing can be a labor of love, a labor of love for Jesus, a labor of love for people made in Jesus' image, a love for Jesus' uh, brothers and sisters of yours in Christ. Jesus says that his load, when we're yoked to him, is light. 1 John 5, 3 says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. When we love Christ properly and love people properly, keeping Christ's commandments are not burdensome. (laughs) Those of you who have been mothers and fathers, the times you got up middle of the night to feed your newborn baby, you experienced a light load. Why? Because of your parental love for the infant. Or when you see a sister in Christ in our assembly broken down at the side of the road with a flat tire in the heat of the day, and you change her tire as a brother in Christ, you find that a light load to change the tire because of your love for your sister in Christ. Or some of you have opened your homes to hurricane-displaced persons, and I commend you for this. You find that extra work a light load because of your hospitality love for those people who've lost everything. They can't open a home to let anybody else live in it for a time because their home is gone. Another quote from Moody. Faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. That's good. Faith makes all things possible. Love makes all things easy. Hmm. You know something? It's with an easier yoke and with a lighter load, life is simplified and life is unified. When we're yoked to Jesus, and we get an easier yoke with him than we would have had with ourselves or anyone else, when we're yoked to Jesus and we have a lighter load than the load we would have carried without being yoked to Jesus, our lives get simpler, more simple, and they become more unified. Paul, in a facing extremely uh, difficult situation in a jail with just the basics of life, that's it. His ministry cut, shut down at least a mobile ministry of planting churches and writing scripture for a time. In that jail, he writes to the church at Philippi. He writes scripture to the church at Philippi. And he says, among other things, to live is Christ. To die is gain. To live is Christ. If I ever get out of this jail and live beyond this jail, my life is Christ. We need to be able to say that. For me, to live is Christ. That's simple. For me, to live is Christ. (laughs) That's light. Lighter. And so to have this simple and this unified life, we need to see life is Christ. Christ be our measure of everything. How is your day? Don't measure it on your chores or your 
headache or how was today? I'm abiding in Christ. What do you hope to do tomorrow? Well, you might have to go to Super Value and buy some groceries. That's understood. What I hope to do tomorrow is to be an ambassador for Christ. See the difference? For me to live is Christ. That's a simple life. It's a unified life. That takes us to super value, not just to get the loaf of bread and the gallon of milk. It takes us to super value to get those things, but to be an ambassador for Jesus Christ with the cashier who checks us out or the person ahead of us in the line. Maybe it's a long line. Maybe you see a long line as a way to be an ambassador for Christ better and not to get all ticked off that it's taken too long to get your bread and milk. To live as Christ. And so we've seen... Jesus' invitation to come. We've seen Jesus' invitation to take. And now we come to the Lord's invitation to learn. Verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Jesus Christ wants us to come to him, wants us to choose to be yoked to him so that we will learn about him and learn from him. Coming to Christ is a point-in-time thing. When we come to Christ for salvation, it's a point-in-time decision. Not all of us know the date we came to Christ for salvation. That's okay. God keeps track of the date. But when you trusted Jesus to be your Savior, it was a point-in-time decision. And when we come to Christ in the Word of God, in our devotions, some people call it devotions, or our quiet time with the Lord in the mornings, that's a point in time. I meet with Jesus Christ in His Word to pray Mondays to Saturdays, are Mondays to Sundays at 7.30 in the morning. I'm just using an example. Those are points in time things. But learning from Christ, that's a process. That takes a lifetime. Learning from Christ is a process. We won't have learned everything there is to learn about Jesus Christ at all on earth. No matter how long we live. Ike McKenzie celebrating his 99th birthday today. Praise the Lord for 99 years of life for Brother Ike. He's made a big difference in our church and in our community. Wonderful. But even Ike hasn't learned everything there is to learn about Jesus Christ yet. He won't know everything there is to know about Jesus Christ until he's promoted to heaven. So it is with you and me. And so this learning of Christ is a process. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he, Christ, appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. That's when we will have learned what we need to learn about Jesus. When we see him face to face through the rapture of the church or through our physical deaths. Till those events, we're in process, man. We are learning about Jesus every day I trust. And boy, God opened a university that wasn't open, a spiritual university, Dorian. Dorian is a university. Dr. Paige Patterson said well that our adversities are God's universities. We get the highest form of learning about Christ in the greatest adversities of life. 
in Dorian is a university. Three invitations so far, come, take, learn. The fourth and final invitation is find. Find, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and watch now, and you shall find rest for your souls. You shall find rest for your souls. Uh, Doesn't rest sound like a good word? Rest is a good-sounding word. Well, you notice two things about this particular rest that's being promised. First, the rest is given. We see that in verse 28. And second, the rest is to be found, verse 29. First, this rest we're talking about is something we are given by God. And second, it's something we can find in Christ. This is not a rest that we can manufacture for our own souls. You know, save up enough money and someday go on a cruise. This is not the same kind of rest. This kind of rest is something only God can give and only we can find in Christ. This is not the kind of rest that we can wish into being either. Oh, I just wish I had rest. No. And it's not the kind of rest that we can buy for our souls. Some of the most restless people you will ever know are in Hollywood. And they have the most money of anybody around and they have no rest. Michael Jackson had to take medicine that wound up killing him in an overdose because he couldn't rest. And so the rest we're talking about here is not a circumstantial rest. It's not a natural rest. It's not a hard work gets you rest. It's a rest that can be given to us by God and can be found by us in Christ. It's from the Lord. It's a rest that you and I can find. It's a rest that you and I can discover. It's a rest that you and I can uncover. And it's a rest for our souls. It's not just a rest for our bodies. Our bodies need rest. But this rest is more penetrating. It drills into the very being of who we are. This rest goes into our souls. The core of who you are can have rest. You can be given rest for your core. You could find rest in your soul. We all love the 23rd Psalm, and in part it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. Watch now, he restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did you catch it? Christ-given rest is as restorative as lying down in a green pasture. Christ-given rest is as restorative as looking at quiet waters. Christ-given rest is as unique as a burning flame underwater. You know some flames with certain chemicals can burn fire underwater. That's unique. Jesus Christ-given rest is unique rest like that. And Christ-given rest is as untied from circumstances as is a released helium balloon. Christ-given rest is liberty, freedom, not hitched, tied, or linked to circumstances. 
Do you have that rest? Can. This Christ-given rest exists even while we work hard. It isn't dependent on pleasant circumstances. And this Christ-given rest affects more than our bodies and our minds and our emotions. It is a rest for our souls. The deepest parts of us that only God knows our thoughts, our feelings, our choices, our anxieties, soul. And this Christ-given rest is the rest that caused our Lord Jesus and enabled our Lord Jesus in Gethsemane to say, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, but not as I will, but as thou wilt. That's the kind of rest we're talking about. And it was in that garden that night before the cross that Jesus was wrestling, and his wrestling about the cross turned into rest. His wrestling about the cross before him turned into rest as he prayed to his Father, committed his way to his Father, was re, re, uh, what shall we say, refocused on doing his Father's will. And so, my friends, whatever you are wrestling with this morning, whatever it is, Christ can give you his rest. He can. He's the good shepherd. And you are his loved lambs. And you know, we all want that kind of rest. We all need that kind of rest. And that kind of rest can only be found in Christ. It's not self-made. It's not home-made. It's not minute-made. It's faith-made rest. And so in making these wonderful invitations to come, to take, and to learn, it is significant that our Lord Jesus used two adjectives to describe himself that are somewhat surprising. Gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. You see, it's the Savior's gentleness and his humility which makes him able to give us rest. Often in crises of all sorts and in chaotic situations, gentleness and humility are not the first things that people have on their wanted list. Often in times of chaos and crisis, what people look for is assertion and self-confidence. Or they look for the loud voice and the proud plan. No, no, not with God and not with Jesus. In our nation's crisis and chaos and in our individual crises and chaos, it is best to look for a Savior who is gentle and to look for a Jesus who is humble. And that's where the nation will find rest, and that's where we will find rest. Our gentle and our humble Savior is our high priest right now after his resurrection. He sits at the Father's right hand and is our high priest. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. If we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Now watch. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, 
that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Oh, yes, it's Jesus Christ's beautiful gentleness and his wonderful humility of heart that make him the one who can give us rest. Rest that counts. You know, we all come to Christ, I hope, often in prayer. And we come to him with, I hope, everything on our minds and in our hearts. I hope that none of us feels there's any part of our thoughts or our feelings that are off bounds about talking to Jesus about those things. But I want to just remind us, brothers and sisters, this morning, that whenever you go to your Savior, you will always find him to be sympathetic. Because he's gentle and humble. And I don't pretend to know the horrors which you face or our friends who have been evacuated here to Nassau have faced. I don't pretend to know all about that. But I do know that for each of us, the horrors of our past, nor the pain of our present, nor the problems of our futures, are unknown to Jesus or things he does not deeply care about. And so he invites us, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my load is light. Accept his invitations. You'll be glad that you did. Lord Jesus, you are a marvelous Savior. Thank you for your invitations to us this morning. May we respond, yoke ourselves to you, and find that rest that you have for us. And we pray these things, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.